0: Minded to share something with you because I'm, you know, I'm here in church a lot. I don't know if you guys knew this. I'm in a, just about every service. So, <laughs> and so I hear a lot of things as well as say a lot of things. And I, I was hearing for weeks now these three new ladies life groups that are starting up this week, starting this Tuesday night. And I said, are there any, you know, what Ladies, 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 or anything for the guys. And what I did find out is if you look in your bulletin, you will see that on Tuesday mornings and on Fridays, there are life groups meeting, meetings for men. So if you would like to participate in that, you can do so. Also, if you'd say, well, I'd rather go with my spouse or my significant other, there's lots of couple studies also for you to get involved in. So there's a listing here. There's even more that's on this list that will be online and you can sign up and join one, and I urge you to do that. Uh, Speaking of the fasting, you know, we stopped the fast last week, and I think I mentioned to you that Lisa and I, on Saturday, in faith, uh, we went by the Village Bakery, and she got this wonderful lemon treat tart, and I got a cream cheese chocolate brownie, because I was fasting from sweets, and I wanted something. If I was going to break the fast, I wasn't going to break it with a cube of sugar. You know, I was like, come on, man, have something really good. So I had this brownie. So we had that, but I decided that 22 days of fasting wasn't enough. So I've, I've committed that I'm going to continue my fast, but instead of sweets, I'm going to fast from certain television programs. So I just, I'm just confessing in front of you guys. I'm going to fast from uh, the Gilmore Girls. I'm going to fast from uh, the Golden Girls. I'm going to fast from all the Real Housewife shows and also there was one oh yeah i'm going to fast from the bachelor okay you're not going to see me watching those shows and i want you to hold me accountable because i really want to i really want to honor god with how i i do my television watching so anyway hey by the way uh, speaking of the opposite of all those shows we have a special weekend now it's called super bowl weekend right And there's a game starting at 3.30, so I know a lot of you guys are saying, Pastor, would you hurry up with the preaching because I need to get home. There's guacamole to mix up. There's all kinds of stuff to get ready for the Super Bowl. It's Falcons versus the Patriots this year, Super Bowl 51. It's almost a national holiday in America. And there are some companies that are recognizing this. There are some companies that are actually giving their employees, or if they want to take a personal or a special day, they're giving them the day off tomorrow because they know that you're just going to come in wrecked on Monday morning anyway, and you're not going to be any good to us, so why don't you just take the day off if that's what you are going to do during the afternoon and evening of watching the Super Bowl. By the way, if you wonder if the Super Bowls are popular, the last five Super Bowls, they are the most popular. Watched telecasts in American history, they average over a hundred million viewers watching the Super Bowl, and I know I'm, I I can see some of you are like, yeah, and there's a good reason because I'll be one of them, and there's other uh, there's others of you who are like, that's the last thing I'm going to do with my Sunday afternoon is watch the Super Bowl. But did you know that statistics now are 47% of the watchers of the Super Bowl are female? And it's amazing. I don't know if it's the if it's the players' uniforms. I don't know if it's the commercials. I don't know if it's the halftime show with Lady Gaga. I don't know if it's maybe Luke Bryan singing the national anthem. I don't know what's what's all drawing all the women to the uh, to the uh, event. It may just be they like football. So that could be true. That's true of my wife. She loves football. Also, about eight million pounds. Maybe you have, you'll have a bowl this afternoon. Eight million pounds of guacamole are going to be served today. They, they, did you see all the specials on avocados out there? And then I went on StubHub just to see, okay, if, if last minute, if I said, okay, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I really want to go to the Super Bowl live this year. If I was going to try to buy a ticket on StubHub, how much would it be? The cheapest ticket I found on StubHub was $2,300 for one ticket probably up in the nosebleed section but there's a way to save money because i found out that for only seven hundred dollars less than a third i could actually get a ticket and go into the parking lot of the stadium where the super bowl is and i could have a tailgate party there for only seven hundred dollars so you got that going for you on the super bowl so that's going to be this afternoon, whether you want the Falcons to win or the Patriots, it's really up to you. Both my teams lost anyway so that, in the championship game, so I don't really have a big horse in this race. All right, let's talk about the on fire and the early church. We're in this series now, and in the series, uh, oh, and by the way, I forgot to do something because you, you have the on fire. Go back to the Iron Fire message because On Fire sounds like a good theme as well as the Super Bowl for this little brief music that I wanted to play. So go ahead and play that music. Maybe it'll get you in the mood for this afternoon. There you go. Music that we will... Rarely here in this church. <laughs> Did you hear the pounding guitar? All right. Anyway, uh, the super—that's the Super Bowl theme music for CBS Sports, and you will be hearing that sometime this afternoon if you turn if you turn tune in. I thought that was a good uh, song theme for our series we're going through right now called "On Fire," the early followers of Jesus, because they had their own battles to fight, and it's kind of like you know. You could almost picture that music for Roman Arena and two gladiators walking into the arena. They love to have that kind of a theme for a a big football game. But we've been talking about these early followers of Jesus. Last week, we saw a healing in the temple. We saw a miracle happen. Peter and John, these two apostles, followers of Jesus, they're working as, as a team together, going two by two like Jesus told them to do, and they're walking into the temple area at 3 o'clock in the afternoon during their regular prayer time. In the normal course of their activities, walking together, they encounter this lame man, this beggar. He asks them for a coin. They give him something way better than money. They give him healing. And he said, Peter said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the hand and he lifted him up. And Jesus miraculously healed this man's legs instantaneously on the spot and that man not only started hobbling around or walking a little bit, he started leaping and dancing and jumping around. And this miracle that happened created such a crowd that peter seized that opportunity of the crowd and he said if you want to know how or why this man was healed i'm here to tell you he was healed in the name of jesus jesus really is the messiah you rejected him as a jewish people but he was really god's anointed one and he laid down his life for you for your sins when he died on the cross but god didn't let him stay in the grave he raised up from the dead we saw him alive. We are witnesses of this. And if you want to get right with God, you need to turn around from wherever you were going, turn back to God and say, I believe in and I will follow Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And so the the church had already become a mega church on the day of Pentecost. It was 3,000 people. Now we find that the church is growing even more. But as this one lady said, and I, I was looking up the origin of this phrase, have you ever heard the phrase, no good deed goes unpunished? And it's like it's like the, the idea that you do something good and you think everybody's going to love it, but there's always some backlash from somebody, a critic or a cynic or an enemy that wants to, wants to turn it into something negative. No good deed goes unpunished. Well, this is now what we're going to see happens to Peter and John as They've drawn this crowd in the temple area. They've done good. They've healed this man. They've shown the light of the gospel to these people, and many of them believe, and yet there's going to be a backlash. So it's like, what? Do good and get arrested? What is happening? So let's read this together in Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. It says, while Peter and John were speaking to the people, and remember, they're all in the temple area, they were confronted by the priests the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there is a resurrection of the dead. And so they arrested them, and since it was already evening, they put them in jail until the morning. You know Peter preached a while because if it was a 3 o'clock meeting, (laughs) 3 o'clock prayer meeting, and this man gets healed around that time, and then Peter starts speaking, and a crowd is drawn that the sun was going down in Jerusalem, right, I'm going to say around 5.30, 6 p.m. And so that it was a, quite a while that, that he was speaking to them. And since it was already evening, the captain of the guard takes Peter and John and arrests them and throws them into jail until the next morning. We're going to find out what happens in the next morning in just a little bit. But it's like Peter and John were doing good, and they got arrested, and it's so interesting to me that where did persecution, this is the first example of persecution of Christian Christ followers that we see in the Bible. The the first open persecution other than arresting and killing Jesus, that would be the ultimate persecution, but now Christ followers, this is the first time they're encountering, encountering something very negative from the authorities. And to me, it's interesting, the persecution came from the religious authorities. It came from the leaders of the religious community, from the people in charge of the proper religious practices there in the temple in Jerusalem. So somehow, Peter and John's message, that was offensive to these guys. It irritated them so much that they said, you need to go and stop them from speaking, arrest them, and throw them into jail, and we will figure out what to do with them tomorrow morning. So this captain of the guard that is mentioned here, by the way, captain of the guard, this would be like the chief of police of the whole temple area. He was in charge of security. He was second in authority only to the high priest. And if we want to know how capable this man was with police work and military, 30 years after this event, 30 years after Peter and John get arrested, the Jews rise up against the Roman authorities and they start a war. And they and so about 66 years after Christ, the Jews started a war against the Roman authorities and the general that they chose to lead their army was the captain of the guard of the temple. So this guy is very powerful. He's in charge. The high priests and the leaders say, go and arrest that guy and we're going to hold him. The other group of people that had Peter and John arrested, they were the leaders in the temple area. They were called the Sadducees. And one thing you need to know about this political sect, this this religious group that was there in Jerusalem, they were running the whole temple area. All the high priests were chosen from this political religious party called the Sadducees. And the Sadducees only believed, they didn't even believe in the whole of the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament. They only believed in the first five books. So Genesis through Deut- Deuteronomy, what they call the Torah. They only believed that the Torah was inspired by God, and they also did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. So you can imagine that, <laughs> of course, what are Peter and John talking about? They're talking about the reason this man's healed is because the resurrected Jesus, who's now reigning up in heaven at the Father's right hand, he's the one who healed this guy. And, and they're saying, wait a minute, resurrected? How could that even be? So it says in Acts chapter 23, for the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection or angels or spirits, but the Pharisees believe in all of them. Right? So the Pharisees was another religious sect. That's where the Apostle Paul came from. Very strict, conservative Jews. They believed in all the Old Testament scriptures. The Sadducees only believed in the first five books. They ran the temple area. They did not believe in the resurrection. So they're ticked off that Peter and John are in the temple area. That's another thing that offended them. Peter and John are doing all this proclamation of the resurrection of Jesus in the temple area. This was their home turf. This was what they were in charge in. You're coming into our house, basically, they're saying, and you're preaching something that we do not approve of. You will stop and you will stop immediately, was their message to the apostles. We're going to see how Peter and John respond to that. Hopefully, for us today, sharing the good news of Jesus, it's not likely to throw us in jail. I mean, persecution in our day in America, it looks more like something like maybe we would get shunned a little bit. You remember that in the Amish community? Somebody could get shunned for misbehaving. Maybe we could get shunned by the rest of society for proclaiming that Jesus is the Christ and proclaiming that salvation is found in Jesus. Maybe that would offend some people and they would shun us. Maybe they would alienate us. Maybe there wouldn't be so much social acceptance if we were to openly proclaim our faith in Jesus and to try to persuade other people to believe in and follow Jesus as well. That might result in some alienation and no social acceptance. If you're at a place of employment in in your job, it might result in you not getting a raise or you not getting a promotion. It might even result in you getting fired. I say that out of experience because getting fired happened to me when I was 19 years old. It was in uh, 19, and uh, and, and I, was, I was in a lawyer's office. The lawyer was a prominent uh, lawyer, and he was Jewish. And I knew his daughter from high school, and we'd taken classes, gone together, and he also had a younger son who was 12 years old. And the son would come down to the lawyer's office where I was working, and he would hang around. And uh, he was 12 years old. He was getting ready to go to into his bar mitzvah the next month. Do you guys know what a Jewish bar mitzvah is? Right? That's where the the, the young Jewish boy learns some Hebrew, reads from the Torah, and basically says, "Look, I'm going to become a Jewish man, and I'm going to take on the responsibilities." Bar mitzvah literally means "son of the covenant." They're going to take on the responsibilities, they're going to live under the law, and they're going to be a good, responsible Jewish man when they grow up. That's what the bar mitzvah is for. So he's doing that, and I'm thinking to myself, wow, I believe in Jesus, and I know he's the way, the truth, and the life, and if this guy has his bar mitzvah, he may never believe in Jesus, so I need to talk to him. So I shared the gospel to him, kind of like whispering really quiet in the copy room because I didn't want anybody else to hear us, and I knew that much and he's listening to me and he's asking some questions and I'm talking to him and I'm thinking it's all well and maybe maybe he even believes in Jesus. Well, the next day I get a call from the lawyer, his dad, and I get called into his office and apparently the son had told his dad what I had said to him and that was offensive enough for him to say, "You know, Jim, um, we are making some changes around here and there's really not a place for you anymore. And we're going to, you know, kind of eliminate your position. So you're, uh, I, I'm going to have to let you go. And I walked out of the lawyer's office kind of sad, but at the same time, I was actually rejoicing because I knew from reading the book of Acts, um, you know, recently that that's what happened to the followers of Jesus. When they proclaimed the message of the good news, it was going to get a reaction one way or another. The people that believe, they were going to rejoice. The people that didn't believe, they may just say, well, that's good for you. I've got my own faith or whatever. Or they might actually get hostile toward me. And that's what happened to me in this case. Certainly in America, there's, there's not usually an arrest for somebody who's being a follower of Christ or preaching the good news message. There's not usually that kind of reaction from the government or from the authorities, at least not yet. Now let's go back to Peter and John who were arrested and were thrown into jail. And it's interesting because what about the people in the crowd in the temple area? What was their response to Peter and John's message? It says, but many of the people who heard their message believed it. So that the number of men who believed now totaled about 5,000 people. So the, in the book of Acts, it begins with 120 loyal followers of Jesus. The day of Pentecost happens, and now there's 3,000 people who believed in Jesus and were baptized in water, and now the church is, is three, over 3,000 people. And just a few months later now, it says that over 5,000 men were now believers in Jesus. So you add the women and the children, you got to think that's a church of at least 10,000 people. In just a few months' time, the church went from 3,000 followers to over 10,000 followers of Jesus. If you do the math, it comes, you know what, it, that, you know how fast this church was growing? Over 100 people a day were coming to faith in Jesus Christ. That's why I titled the, the, the series On Fire, Early Followers of Jesus. These guys weren't messing around. They were making following Christ their life, and they were telling everybody they knew about it and not just Peter and John. So let's go back to Peter and John. They're in jail. Now it's the next morning, and they're going to get hauled into this august body of Jewish leaders. And it says in verse 5, the next day the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. They brought in the two disciples. So now here's these two hillbilly fishermen, Peter and John. They've been with Jesus, and this educated, erudite group of elders and statesmen and religious teachers of the law and priests. They're all gathered together before them, and they asked the disciples, Peter and John, they ask them this question. They didn't even ask them. They demanded, it says in the scriptures, they demanded by what power or in whose name have you done this? This Jewish high council, according to F.F. Bruce, this was the Senate and the Supreme Court of the Jewish nation. The same council, by the way, who months earlier had another man on trial because people were saying that he was Messiah, that he was the son of God, that he was the anointed one. And finally, after all these witnesses came up and said lies about Jesus and they contradicted each other, the high priest got so uh, irritated or upset that he finally looked at Jesus and he said, I adjure you by the living God, which when the high priest says that, says You're on oath now, and you have to tell the truth. Are you the Messiah? Are you the Son of the Blessed One? And Jesus answered him. You can read it in Mark 14, and he said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven and ruling. And the high priest tore his clothes, and he says, we've heard the blasphemy. In other words, this man here, Jesus, says that he's the Son of God, that he's the Messiah. You've heard the blasphemy. What do you rule? And this same Jewish high council condemned Jesus to death. And they had him brought over to Pilate, and Pilate executed him on their behalf. This is the same group of people that are now trying to intimidate Peter and John And they're saying by what authority and whose power, who gave you the right to say what you're saying? And what I want you to know is that Peter normally, remember Peter was the guy who ran away. Peter was the guy who months earlier was out there warming his hands by a charcoal fire. And somebody says to him, hey, Peter, or or, hey, you, you, aren't you with Jesus? Aren't you one of his followers? No, no, no. And three times Peter denies that he even knows Jesus, let alone that he's his disciple. And so now this same Peter, who was cowering away months earlier, now it says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, and he says, leaders and elders of our nations. Very interesting. Peter's now filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter is now bold in his proclamation. Peter is now fearless in the way that he's standing up to these guys. He he took the words of Jesus seriously. When When Jesus told his disciples, and this is Luke's words in his gospel in chapter 21, where Luke says, They will deliver you to synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and governors, and all on account of my name. But make up your mind, Jesus is telling His disciples, Peter and John, are right there listening to him. And Jesus said, Make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves, for I will give you words of wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. So, how do you go about speaking to the establishment? How do you explain God's spiritual power to these people who do not believe? Well, Peter, instead of cowering away, Peter is now speaking boldly before this council, and he's filled with courage from the Holy Spirit. All Peter can think of is, you know what, Lord Jesus, I want to glorify you. I want to make your name famous in Jerusalem, in the temple area, in Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. I want you to be glorified. Whatever happens to me happens, but I'm not backing down from these guys. They're trying to intimidate Peter and John, this, this high council of the Jewish nation, and Peter and John are going to turn the tables, and they're going to start giving it right back to them. So Peter says, if you want to know about this act of kindness, which was done on this healing of this man, and by the way, it wasn't just Peter and John standing there. So here's Peter, and here's his buddy John, and here's this man, and the man just happened to be the same man who used to be a beggar the day before. Lame beggar laying on the mat saying alms for the poor. Can you can you spare a coin brother? Can you spare a dime? You know, he's laying there and now he's standing up with him. The miracle is standing there with Peter and John. And Peter says, you want to know how he was healed? I will tell you how he was healed. And you all need to know the truth of the reason for this man's miraculous healing right here. And it's because of the name of the authority of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. So, not only does he say it's Jesus' power that did it, he says, and I'll tell you who Jesus is. It's not just Jesus of Nazareth, the human, it's Jesus Christ. Now, for those of us who are new in the Christian faith, I just want to tell you, and it's sort of half humor here, but Jesus Christ, Christ is not the last name of Jesus. Did you know that, right? So it's not like Jim Swainy or Lisa Die or Raúl Guerra. Guerra's his last name it means war. So he's a warrior. He's a guerrero. All right. Anyway, enough Spanish. Um, I'll go back and say that's your last name. Jesus. His last, he we don't know, they didn't even say last names back then. They just said Jesus, son of Joseph, Jesus, son of the carpenter. Isn't this the carpenter's son? That's the way they would refer to Jesus or Jesus from the town he was from, from Nazareth. But when they say Jesus Christ, the first word Jesus is his name. The second word Christ, that's his title. He's the anointed one. He's the Messiah. He's the savior. He's the one who rescues us. From the dominion of darkness the one who died on the cross for our sins that's what christ means and peter says jesus christ the real messiah the one that you crucified the one god raised from the dead that's who healed this man and he says jesus he was the he was the stone and you builders rejected him and so he's saying this metaphor of building and this stone that's on a foundation of a building And Jesus says, Jesus is this stone that you builders rejected, and now God has made him the chief cornerstone. In other words, Jesus has now become the focal point of the Jewish religion. And you're either going to get on board or you're going to miss the boat. That's what Jesus is saying. And now Peter, he gets even even bolder. And I want you to know, in fact, this is a great Bible verse. I'm a big fan of memorizing certain Bible verses because... At the time when you get a chance to speak up something for God in a public square, in an arena, or if you're at a Bible study or in a group and you get to share something, if you memorize a Bible verse, you will be able to recall it. God will give you the ability to recall it at the right time. And this is one of these great Bible verses that you should memorize. It's in Acts chapter 4 and it's verse 12. And it says, there is salvation in no one else, Peter says. There is salvation and no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Do you realize how exclusive that statement is? That is a bold statement made by Peter. Peter, what are you saying? Are you saying that we have to know Jesus, that we have to put our trust in Jesus in order for us to be right with God? Is that what you're saying? And I think Peter's answer would be, you got that right. Yes, I am saying that. I realize that out there beyond the walls of our church there are many other religious expressions one of the bumper stickers i see around town all the time maybe you've seen this bumper sticker around is it familiar to any of you hopefully it's a rhetorical question because this is probably the most popular bumper sticker in all of the north bay (laughs) called coexist right and coexist is basically this idea that it takes all these symbols of these different religions throws them together in one word and kind of says you know like can't we all get along you know can't we all coexist don't you realize that there are many ways and many paths to god i mean the sea and the star sort of stands for the moon and the star of islam you have the peace sign for all all the hippies out there and the ex-hippies and the recovering hippies you've got the E letter with the male and the female symbol. You have the Star of David for Judaism. You have the pentagram above the I. You have the yin and the yang and the S for the Eastern religions and the Taoism. Uh, And then you have the Christian faith represented by the T or by the cross. And it says coexist. It's basically like, can't we all just get along? Don't think that you have the corner on the truth. Don't think that you have the only religious expression of the truth that's out there. There are many pathways. This is sort of what my interpretation of what it's saying. There are many pathways to God. There are many uh, people who are going to find God, but a different pathway than you are in the Christian faith. And basically, all roads kind of lead to God. So you only have, in your Christian faith, you only have a piece or a slice of the truth There's a a universal truth that's out there, and all the religions sort of have a little piece of it. That's what I think is is really saying. And I think if Peter were to stand up and listen to that, he would say, no, (laughs) I don't buy that. I don't buy that at all, because salvation is found in no one else, no one else other than Jesus. There is no other name given among men under heaven by which we must be saved. We are sinners in need of a Savior. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus himself in John 14 said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus says he's the only way to God. Peter, his apostle, his ambassador, is now in front of a hostile Jewish religious leader crowd, and he says Jesus is the only way to God. And here we are 2,000 years later as Christ followers quoting their words saying, this is the revelation that God has for us. Jesus is the only way to God. You may have heard that illustration and I'm not gonna go into it in great detail, but it's the famous illustration that you get when you're in the philosophy class. And they start off with the philosophy class and they usually have this, the parable of the elephant, right? You've heard that one where there's all these blind men that get brought into a room and they're all they get put around the corners of the room and they're all blindfolded or they're blind and they bring in an elephant and they bring up the blind men and they all touch a different part of the elephant and one of the guys grabs the leg of an elephant and it's big and it's round and it's solid and he says what is it and he says it's a tree and another guy comes over to the front of the elephant and he grabs the trunk of the elephant and he says, it's a rope. And a, or, or he grabs the tail on the back end, and he says, it's a rope. Or somebody goes up to the side of the elephant, and he sees how big and tall and solid it is. He says, it's a wall. And finally, there's, there's some guru, and it's usually an Indian guru, that is standing over the group. And he's usually like on a balcony, and he's looking over the group, and he says, None of you are right. All of you have given the truth as you have seen it and understood it from your limited perspective. But I'm here to tell you that it's what you're really touching is an elephant. And the point of the illustration is it's only someone who has a picture of everything and knows everything. That can be the only one that knows what the whole truth really is. When we say we believe in Jesus and he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, we're not just believing this man, this philosopher, this, this guru, this teacher among Judaism who was a hu- merely a human being. We are believing that Jesus who has revealed to us in the Bible is the Son of God, is God incarnate, was in the beginning with God, then he became a human being through Mary And he lived for a while among us and he taught us the truth about who God is. So when we say Jesus is the way, we're saying we are. When we're saying Jesus is the way, we're also saying that there are no other ways. When Jesus is the way, he's not just a way to God. He's saying, I'm the way, the truth and the life. And the way that you know that is because he follows it up and he says, no one comes to the father except through me. Now, why could Jesus make that statement? Because Jesus knew that he was going to go to the cross and he was going to be the once for all Lamb of God sacrifice who would atone for the sins of the entire world. So, yeah, is Peter making an exclusive statement by saying salvation is found in no one else? Yes, he is. But is, is the Christian faith... Does it sound exclusive when we say that? Yes, it does. But I want to also say to you, I think the Christian faith is the most inclusive faith that there is in the world. Because the person who said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father through me, is also the person who said, anyone who is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever... Whoever are you a whoever is anybody who has a pulse and a human being created in God's image is any one of them a whoever yes they are that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life so there is the hope that we have of the Christian faith and Peter just boldly lays it out he says you guys your sadducées and pharisees you're trusting in these scriptures you're thinking that in them, by keeping these commandments, that you have eternal life. These are the scriptures that talk about me, and yet you won't believe in me that you might have eternal life. Jesus lays it out for them. Peter lays it out for them. You're going to trust in the law. You're going to trust in keeping all these commandments, thinking that at the end, maybe God will say, okay, that's good enough. And, and Peter's saying, no, that's not going to get you to God. The only way that's going to get you to God is by admitting that you're a sinner admitting that you're in need of a savior and knowing that Jesus is the rescuer and putting your faith and trust in him. And so the Jewish leaders are astounded. They're looking at these guys. How can these hillbilly fishermen from Galilee, how can they have this kind of clarity? How can they have this kind of boldness? How can they speak to us like that? And then they said something like, hmm, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And it probably reminded of the bold faith that Peter and John were showing right there in that moment. That was the same bold faith that this other man was showing them when they were trying to get him to cower away months earlier. And they said, are you really, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed one? And he said, yes, I am. And then they, they rejected him. So the Jewish people, they were astounded by the bold faith of Peter and John. And they said, what are we going to do with these guys The miracle of what they did is standing right there with them. We can't do anything right now. The crowd would stone us to death. So let's just give them a warning and send them on their way. And and they said, you know what? You can go, but we don't want you ever. We don't want you going ever into the temple again. And we don't want you ever to speak or to teach in the name of this Jesus Christ of Nazareth, of this Jesus of Nazareth. Don't ever speak in his name again. And now Peter and John have a choice to make. Because the, the authorities, the religious authorities of their day are telling them this is what they can and can't do. And then they have Jesus over here who's given us the Great Commission. And he says, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes will be saved. Whoever doesn't believe will be condemned. Jesus tells them that, those words. And so Peter's going, Jesus, religious leaders. Jesus, religious leaders and he says you know what let me just ask you a question who do you think we should obey should we obey God or should we obey men and then Peter says you know what we can't stop talking about it we are not going to stop speaking about the things that we have seen and heard boom drops the mic and they let him go they let him go at this time persecution was mild in Acts chapter 4 we're going to see later on it gets worse but the the authorities let Peter and John go. And what can we learn from their example? I just want to bring up two action points, maybe three. Sounds like a proverb, right? Two action points, maybe three. What can we learn from their example? The first thing we learn from their example is, is submit. Be submissive in times of persecution. Now, it's kind of weird for me even to say that. Why would, why would you say be submissive in times of persecution? Haven't we just watched how bold and courageous that Peter and John were to stand up to these authorities? Yeah, but that was, the, that was the next day. When Peter and John were getting arrested in the temple area by the captain of the guard, did they resist? Did they fight back? Did they throw rocks? Did they throw Molotov cocktails? Did they threaten to blow themselves up or somebody else? They didn't do any of that. They submitted to the authorities. I think Peter remembered Jesus' words when they were in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Peter, you know, Jesus is about to get arrested. And Peter says, Oh, it's time to fight. Is it time to fight, Lord? And he takes a swing at somebody and he cuts off his ear. And Jesus tells Peter, He says, Peter, put away your sword. Those who live by the sword, they will die by the sword. And Jesus is saying, Peter, the Christian faith is not going to advance by force. You're not going to coerce people into believing. You have to persuade them, and you have to let God's Spirit persuade them. You can't do it by force. So Peter and John submitted to those authorities in times of persecution. So they, they, they willingly submitted, and they went to jail. But secondly, they also found their strength and courage in the Holy Spirit. They knew that in and of themselves, hey, I'd chicken out. You know, I'd, I wouldn't stand up to these guys. If they were threatening me, I'd say, hey, whatever you say, guys, Just as long as you let me go, whatever you say. But when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they trusted in God to give them the right words to say and to give them the courage to speak truth to those powers and authorities. And that's what they did. Find your strength and courage in the Holy Spirit. And then number three, when they got the opportunity to do that, boldly, boldly. Proclaim the good news. Salvation is found in no one else. There's no other name given among men under heaven by which we must be saved. Jesus is the way. Jesus really is the Messiah. You guys need to repent and turn around and follow him. And they boldly proclaim that message, the good news to those people. I want to tell you an illustration. A football illustration since uh, i haven't forgot that it is super bowl weekend and we're three and a half hours away from kickoff so don't get too antsy just yet closing illustration there was a football player two weeks ago in the afc championship game he is a wide receiver for the pittsburgh steelers his name is kobe hamilton this is a picture of him right here there's another photo of, photo of, of kobe in action Kobe was playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers against the Patriots. If you remember that game, the Patriots were up by like three touchdowns in the early part of the fourth quarter. And Kobe Hamilton, they, they were about 20, 25 yards away from a touchdown. Ben Roethlisberger throws the ball into the end zone, kobe hamilton is in the end zone he catches the ball and he's expecting it to be called a touchdown and it's six points and the steelers are on their way back to make a comeback and maybe get an upset win over the steelers and what did the referees do the referees go Whoop, no touchdown no touchdown and kobe's like what what's going on why didn't i score was i out of bounds no when he caught the ball he was well within bounds but what had happened was when kobe hamilton was running his passing route He went out the back end of the end zone and then he came back into the end zone and caught the ball and he thought he scored a touchdown. But the rules of the NFL were that if you leave out of bounds and you're not pushed out of bounds and you come back in, even if it's into the end zone, that that whatever play that happens and catch you make is nullified. Those are the rules of the NFL. And it's really interesting to me, Kobe was, was upset. He was pleading. He was making his case. He's like, man, I ran a really good route. I ran all the way in the end zone. Do you know how, how hard it is to get open in the NFL in the end zone in an AFC championship game? And when the ball came my way, I didn't drop it. I caught it. So please, you know, give me credit for this. I tried as hard as I could. Sincerely, I thought I scored a touchdown. Now, why don't you call it a touchdown? And they said, you broke the rules. And there are rules in the NFL, and if you don't play according to the rules, then you're not going to get the credit that you think you deserve. Friends, we cannot break the rules. We cannot break the rules in the kingdom of God if we want to win the game of life. And the rules laid out to us by revelation in God's Word, the Bible, the rules laid out for us is that Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. Salvation is found in no one else. This is the inclusivity of the message. Salvation is found, but it's in nobody else because nobody else died on the cross for your sins. Nobody else atoned for us. Nobody else paved the way for our forgiveness and our eternal life. Only Jesus did that, and that's why salvation is only found in him. That's why we need to put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. And let's just close the service. I'd like for all, all of us to bow our heads and to close our eyes and just take a moment of quiet reflection. And while all heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I just, I just want to ask you a question. What, what about you today? Where are you in your own spiritual journey with Jesus You've heard that salvation can be yours if you put your faith in Jesus. The question is, what do you choose? What will you do today? Will you say yes to God? Will you commit yourself to believe in and follow Jesus? Will you turn away from whatever direction you are walking and turn back toward God and say, yes, Jesus, I want to commit my life to follow you. I want you to be my Savior I want you to forgive me of all my sins and I want you to give me that promise of eternal life. I believe that you are who you claim to be and I will follow you. I'm telling you right now that I will follow you forever. And while all eyes are bowed, if that is the desire of your heart and you want to become a follower of Christ today, all I'd like you to do is just slip your hand up from wherever you're sitting, just slip it up into the air so that I can see that you're responding to God in faith. If, that, if you believe in Jesus and you want to follow him, you want him to be your savior, just slip your hand up. God bless you. Thank you guys for making that choice. Lord, we rejoice that there are people even here today that are crossing the line of faith that are saying, yes, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe he is who he says he is. And I believe that through him and by faith in him, I can have eternal life and join God's family and Lord, we also pray for the rest of us who've been following you now for some time, some of us years and decades. God, would you you help us to be filled with your Holy Spirit? Would you help us to follow you and have that attitude of, "I, I cannot stop speaking about the things that I've seen and heard. I have to tell somebody who might be outside God's family, I have to tell them the good news about Jesus. Lord, give us your spirit. Give us your boldness and your courage to do that. And Lord, give us the right words to say in those moments. And we pray for the people that are going to be listening to this good news message. We pray that their hearts would be open to hear it. And they would turn and come to faith and eternal life in Jesus Christ. So all these prayers, Lord, we lift to you. Thank you for this time we've had to be together. Thank you for your gracious spirit that has guided us every step of the way. We love you, Lord, and we pray that we live for you, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. So next week, we are going to talk about what do we see in the life of the early church? What do we see on these on-fire followers of Jesus Christ when we talk about praying, when we talk about generosity? when we talk about what do you do in times of persecution and how do they handle that, we're going to see how the early church did that next week. Hey, good luck to you. Remember, these life groups for women are starting this week. Hope you'll sign up for that. If you raised your hand and you made that decision to want to follow Christ, I want to talk to you. I'd love to congratulate you, celebrate with you. I'll be in the lobby area after the service. Let's all stand together for a benediction. favorite benediction comes from the Apostle Paul. He said to the Corinthians, he said, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, may the love of God, and may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. God bless you all. Have a great day.